This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first lesson is from the second chapter of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is from the eighth chapter of Romans. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own Son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, 
and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. The Gospel of the Lord. It is wonderful to see the congregation all together at one time. This is something we ought to do more often. Christianity is a one-way ticket. It is a story that we follow that begins in the beginning. In the beginning, there is a birth of sorts. The Holy Spirit, in the form of God's word, goes out into the darkness and creation happens. The Holy Spirit whispers and everything becomes hushed anticipation until that first word comes out of God's mouth. Let there be. And things start to be. And the word of God continues to speak as light and darkness Seas and land, plants, animals, birds, reptiles, all come into being. God's word continues to flow and we come into being. And there is a beginning. Christianity is a one-way ticket that flows from nothing of the nothingness of that great chaotic sea to everything, to an abundance that can only be described in poetic and ecstatic language, in terms of of great overwhelming feasts of golden streets and jeweled walls of glory such that there is no longer any darkness, any night, in terms of of music and dance, and everyone gathered around the throne of God. 
we are part of a story that begins with nothing and moves toward everything. And so, because we, we see where we are headed, we can never quite get comfortable where we are. We don't know how this story went before those words of God spoke. And we don't know how this story will go after that great ecstatic gathering. Because that is all part of God's greater story. That is beyond us and we cannot know, but we know this precisely because it is our story. And we see that ecstatic ending and we can't help but lean toward it. Lean toward that beauty and fullness and abundance and completeness. Like a dissonant chord. We know where that chord is supposed to go and we're waiting for it to resolve to get there. In the letter to the Hebrews, it's described to to people who see themselves as foreigners, as strangers in a foreign land, longing for a better country. Paul talks about this great line of people who by faith have, have shown their longing for that country, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, how all of them felt that dissonant quality and heard that creative word still speaking to them. Words flowing onto a page such that as the sentence unfolds, they couldn't help but go forward, go onward toward the end of that story. And along the way, people have added their own words to that story in the form of footnotes, in the form of glosses and comments, words designed to encourage us on our path, words designed to share what they had seen and heard to enrich our own journey. But theirs is not the word that makes the journey. The word of God is a living word that comes to us not with a studio delay, that is not pre-recorded, but flows in real time, streams to us, ever drawing us forward toward that wonderful future. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, they all played their role. They all followed their story. But now this is our story. The living word comes to us 
And we become the new characters in the story. We become those faithful ones. Surely those who went before faced their challenges. Noah had to endure the great flood. Moses had to lead his descendants out of Egypt through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Abraham had to leave behind everything he knew to wander across the fertile crescent from Turkey to take up residence in a new and unknown land. Certainly they all faced their challenges but clung tenaciously to the words of that spirit, the words of that story as it unfolded before them. And certainly we are not without our challenges. I suppose every generation sees their challenges too clearly and feel the challenge too keenly. Our own challenges come in the form of a society that no longer quite knows what to do with church. A society that has grown suspicious by betrayals of trust, by Watergate, the Vietnam War, Bernie Madoff, by religious sex scandals, Sometimes it seems like the betrayals just flow in and in and in and become so disheartening such that we no longer trust institutions. We are no longer willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Our anxiety rises and we struggle to know what to do. The church for too long has ended up focusing on the wrong things, focusing on politics, focusing on morality issues, and forgetting that main purpose for which we are here, which is to make disciples and to tell about the God we've met, the God who shows us an overwhelming sense of acceptance and grace. The church, it seems, sometimes has lost its way amid all the other confusions and anxieties and issues such that a lot of people just simply choose to do without church altogether and then we see declining Membership, we see declining budgets, and anxiety starts to go up. But the word of God continues to speak. The living word of God continues to come down onto that cosmic page, drawing creation forward. Ours is still a story that begins with nothing 
and ends with everything. And our identity and our success, if you want to call it that, it's a word that always makes me nervous, comes in simply our ability to live into and with that word. To own that vision that is described for us by God and to be living into that now. Because when we do that, we begin to look different. Lord of Life has a wonderful history of hearing that different word and living into it. Lord of life has a history of daring to believe in a God who accepts us as we are, not as what someone else wants us to be. Lord of life has a wonderful history of hearing that word of God that commands us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God and offer it not just lip service, but service to those most in need of justice and kindness and humility. Lord of Life has a history of standing for and sometimes against society such that we do look different when people see this congregation, they see a different way of being. Something that looks just a little bit like that reign of God to which we are being called. That reign of God to which we are moving. And now, since we are the characters in this story, the question becomes, what now? What will we do? We know, as we heard in the first week, that the ground has changed under our feet and we've had to learn to walk differently as the church. We know, as we heard in the second week, that we are part of something larger than ourselves. That we are the product of those who have gone before. And we have the power to bless those who will come after. We know, as we heard in the third week, that this can be a difficult journey. So difficult that it can lead us at times to simply give up and go back. But we also know that this story is not about the past, but about the future. That that reign of God is happening. And that we are being drawn to that great abundance, that great equally chaotic joyfulness at the end of time. How will we 
travel along our part of the path? How will we live out our chapter of the story? Because we have the power to make any future we want. We have the power to make this place a beacon. We have the power to make this place a refuge. We have the power to make this place a place where people come to remember what that reign of God looks like and to be refreshed in that. A place to to hear the Spirit still speaking and to hear it speaking to us. God did not make us to be passive observers as this story unfolds. God invites us to be the very heart of this story, to be the very essence, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, to work wonders greater than any generation has seen before us. But first of all, we have to own this story that is ours. We have to really see this kingdom and want it. We have to believe that it is worthwhile having and that the story is worthwhile telling. And then we have to live it. We have to take the steps. We have to put one foot in front of the other to face the challenges before us as Noah, as Abraham, as Moses, as so many of the faithful before us have done. All those who made this story live, who gave it flesh and bone so that we are here today. Our future is wonderful. Our future is abundant. Our future is joyful. Let's lean into that future. Amen.